So did you learn anything? Good, let's clap our hands and thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, Book of Romans, chapter 8. I made reference to this last night. I said you're going to learn something rad about this. Romans 8, 26 and 27. As we might as well read 28 because I love that. Uh, and read it all together as a unit. Because uh, 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 it's all one, three verses that come together. So it says this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Everyone say helps. helps. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. For he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now, this tells you the Holy Spirit helps us. And how does he help us? He helps us in prayer because that's our weakness. We're weak because we don't know how to pray as we should. Isn't that the truth? The average American Christian prays 15 minutes a week. A week. They count, a lot of American Christians count praying for their food as part of their prayer life. All right? 15 minutes a week, that explains why we're so weak. The great tragedy in the East Bay Area is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. Let that sink in, all right? He helps us. Now, let me explain how he helps. Uh, before I explain the word help to you, I want to say something about it, how he helps you in prayer, okay? Um, God wants you to pray his will. Why? Because 1 John tell, teaches us in 1 John 3 and 1 John 5, which are two great texts, and I want you to read those chapters. That's why sometimes, if I don't give you specific verse references, I want you to read entire chapters because I want to mess with you because I want you to read in the Word, all right? So it teaches you in 1 John, if you read 3 and 5, some interesting stuff about prayer. And in one of those chapters, you're going to read it say this. If you pray according to the will of God, he hears you. And if he hears you, you have what you're asking for. So what do I want to do? I want to pray the will of God, right? How do you know you're praying the will of God? Well, our good evangelical brothers and sisters always say, well, pray the word. You're praying the will of God because the, uh, the word's the will. The only problem I have with that is how do you know you're using the right scripture in the right way for the right promise? There are 7,000 promises in the word of God. How do you know you're using the right promise for your situation and the nuance of your situation? You don't. They say, well, you've got to trust and believe that that's God. Well, that's great. But that means that you don't know that you're praying the will of God. And to me, that's a waste of my time. I want to pray the will of God. How do I do that? By praying in tongues. The Spirit helps us with groans and utterances that cannot be understood. In other words, that's what praying in tongues is. It's the Spirit of God helping you in prayer. Because you're praying God's will. The Spirit always prays God's will. Look at it this way, okay? Jesus, in referencing in John, if you read John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, that's where Jesus does the majority of his teaching on the Holy Spirit. And in that, it explains that the Holy Spirit's going to take of the things of Jesus and reveal them to us. Well, what does that mean? Well, okay, I want you to picture, okay, uh, 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 the cross, okay, we'll just view the cross as the throne of God, okay? God the Father's there. Jesus, the Bible says, is ever living to make intercession. See this? Okay, so Jesus is crying out to God for you right now. How cool would it be if you were listening in on what Jesus was interceding before the Father for you right now. Wouldn't that be powerful? Right? So Jesus is making intercession right now. Well, maybe we can't hear what that intercession is, but there is somebody there who's listening to that intercession. That's right. The Spirit of God is right here. As Jesus is praying over the things concerning your life and making intercession, there's the Holy Spirit listening in on that intercession. So when I'm praying down there on earth, Jesus is praying in the heavens. 
I want my prayer to coincide with his prayer that he's praying for the same circumstances. How do I do that? Only the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit is listening to what Jesus is praying, the Holy Spirit comes down as I submit myself to prayer and he begins to speak to my spirit what Jesus is interceding before the Father. And when I'm praying in tongues, now I'm praying that prayer because the Holy Spirit is now praying that through me what Jesus is now praying. Come on, somebody shout amen. That's how I'm praying the will of God. I mean, right there, I ought to make everybody here pray in tongues. I, listen, when I challenge people to pray at least an hour every day in tongues, I want to tell you something. I pray a lot more than an hour every day in tongues. What you're looking at when you hear testimonies and see things happening in our ministry and our lives and stuff like that, you're seeing the byproduct of not a great man of God. You're seeing the byproduct of a, of a humble servant of Jesus Christ, a disciple, who has never gone a day without praying at least an hour and a lot more than that every day in tongues. I read my Bible every day and I pray in tongues every day. This can happen for you. I'm just saying. Amen? Just intercede and pray. Read the word. Get it into you. And then let the Spirit of God flow out of you. Amen? So we're interceding. The Spirit himself helps us because he searches the heart. He knows the heart of God and reveals the heart of God. This is what this is talking about. He's hearing the heart of God in these intercession times. What's in his very heart and he's communicating to my spirit, which is in my heart. He's communicating. Amen? And he's communicating and then I begin to pray it out. This is rad stuff. Hallelujah. Now follow this, okay? It says here, it says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Everybody say helps. The Greek word there that's used for helps is only found one other place in the entire Bible. Only one other spot. And I'm going to teach you something about this word, okay? So get ready to write a few things down, okay? The Greek word that's used there for helps, how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, and this is related to tongues. The word that's used here, helps, is a unique Greek word because it's three separate Greek words that were glued together to make a new word. Three full words that were glued together to make one word. Only one other place in the Bible. And when I tell you where that place is, it's it'll totally now ring out, make sense, give you a message to preach to somebody. Okay? The three words, I'm going to say the Greek word as it exists so you can learn it. And then I'm going to give you an English way to spell it out, the separate words together. Um, this is the Greek word. Sinan de lambano. Sinan de lambano. Me is, the, I think, the, the conjugated way it's said. Sinan de lambano. The Holy Spirit. Sinan de lambanos us. Sinan de lambanos. Three Greek words. Sinan de lambano. This is the way you're going to spell it. The first word of the three that are glued together to explain how the Holy Spirit helps us is the Greek word sin. The way you would spell it in English is S-U-N, like it's sun, but the U is an E sound in Greek. E. So it's like saying S-E-E-N. So write down S-U-N equals, in, and then put in quotes so you know how to pronounce it. Sin, S-E-E-N, in quotes, because that's how you pronounce it. Sin. What sin means is together with. It means to be together. What it speaks about, okay, what it means is together. What it speaks to is intimacy. The Holy Spirit wants to be together with you. This idea is like marital togetherness. Like a man and woman that are married, intimate. It describes the Holy Spirit's relationship, 
He wants to be intimate in the most intimate parts of your life. The most tender spots, the deepest spots, the spots you never reveal to anybody, he is together with you in those intimate spots. There is nothing that he cannot touch and see, and that's the very depth of what he wants, a relationship with you that's very intimate. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. So it means together with. What's the first of the three words glued together to make one word? Sin. And it means what? Together with. And it speaks about intimacy. Okay. The second word is the Greek word andi. You know this word. You use it all the time. It's the Greek word anti. A-N-T-I. But we say it anti. Andi. Anti. Anti. Anti simply means to be opposed to. To be opposed to. Anti, to be opposed to. I'm going to give you a little insight to something. In the most archaic Greek, when you go way back, way back in our language, in the Greek language, this was the exact word that was used to describe a mad person, a madman, meaning uh, not mad, angry, but talking about insanely mad, crazy mad. It, it was a raving, raging madman. It was an old word that in a way, way ancient, meant raging madman. It was what was referencing. That was a raging madman, that's anti, that's an andi. So it means raging madman. So the idea here is to be opposed to. And what it's speaking to is the attitude of the Holy Spirit. It speaks to attitude. Anti, andi, meaning to be opposed to, but dealing with attitude. Got it? So the Holy Spirit wants to help you because he wants to be in the most intimate parts of you, the things that maybe you've never revealed to anybody else. The horrible things that happen in your life that you can't even bring up anymore. He wants to be in the most intimate areas with you in that relationship. Speaking about relationship and speaking about intimacy. And, and, and he is coming in with an attitude. And his attitude is he's raging and opposed to all the junk that people have done, sin has done, things have done in your life. He is raging against those things and he's going to fight against them. What's the second word? And what does it mean? To be a and what is it speaking to? What's the first word? Seen. What does that mean? And what is it speaking about? Intimacy. So it's about that relational intimacy. It's about intimacy. He's in the most intimate parts and he's coming in with an attitude and he's going to rage against all the attacks of the devil and all that sin that's inside of you and he's going to fight against it. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. And the third word is lamvano. Now, uh, we Greeks are alike. Uh, if you speak Spanish, you know the B is pronounced like a V, right? V. So the same thing in the Greek, V. It's a V sound, okay? But it's a B. If you look at it, it's a B, but it's a V sound. So lamvano is L-A-M-B-A-N-O. But it's pronounced lamvano. Lamvano, like lamb ano. Lam, but it's not b, it's v. Lamvano. Okay? Lamvano. That word lamvano, or lamvano me as they conjugate, conjugate it, that word lamvano, that word lamvano, that word means to draw out. To draw. Like, the idea here is, 
uh, drawing, not like drawing a picture, but to draw like I have a long rope attached to a bucket, I'm dropping it in a well, and I'm now drawing the bucket out. That's what it means, to draw out. Draw out. Everyone say draw out. It means to draw out. Lamvano, to draw out. And what that speaks of is persistence. It speaks to persistence. Told you, when you come and exert yourself for the kingdom of God, you get precious treasures. When you come to a school of the Holy Spirit, when you come and exert yourself on a Saturday and say, listen, I'm going to learn the word of God, you get special treasures, and this is a treasure. Okay, Lamvano. What that means is, to, so Lamvano means to draw out. In other words, it speaks to the Holy Spirit's persistence. You know, he comes in intimately to the most intimate parts of you, all the hurts, all the th stuff, and all the rest. And he is raging against all the attacks of the devil, all the attacks of what sin has done to you, all the bad decisions you yourself have made. He's going to war against it, and he's not going to stop fighting for you, in you, and through you until he draws out all that junk, gets it all out of your system, gets it all out of you until he draws out the image of Christ, and what's doing, what God is doing on the inside starts showing up on the outside. He is not going to stop his job and his work until it's done. Somebody shout amen. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Now listen to me, okay? God, look at this. Sin, that means, and it deals with, the second word means dealing with, and the last word, lambano, and that means and it deals with, and we translate all that, helps. Kind of lose something in translation, huh? Lombano, where is this else in the Bible? Only one other place in the entire scriptures. Now get this, are you ready for a nice little nugget? This nugget's going to help you out, and it's going to explain something to you. This word is used only one other place, and you know the person that uses it. And you don't like this person in the Bible. She, yes, it's a she, she gets a bum rap, I think. She does. She was busy doing things that needed to get done because a lot of people were over to the house because Jesus was there. That's right. She gets mad at her sister, Mary. She gets mad. Jesus was at their house because he wanted to be because they were friends. He loved them very much. He loved Martha very much. His rebuke of Martha was so tender. It's like you'd say to somebody you love very dearly, oh, Martha, Martha. It's really sweet. And I think she gets a bum rap. Because, you know, we got a lot of people visiting your house. You know, you got to take care of them. But the problem is she didn't have an off switch. She didn't know how to turn the switch off and stop. You know, she should have just put the wiener dogs in the microwave and then set them before everybody. But she wanted to make a nine-course meal for all of Jesus and his homies. So they're all over, everybody's here. And so she's, I mean, she's working to the point where she can't even hear. It's no different than people involved with church work and they're so busy doing church work, they, they miss out on what God's doing. You know, uh, there's an old saying amongst us preachers, you get, get so busy in the ministry of God, you forget the God of the ministry. And people get, they outpace their prayer lives. And so Martha looks at Jesus and tells Jesus, she doesn't ask him, See, a lot of times we turn prayer without the help of the Holy Spirit into a, trying to control God to control others for us. God, make this person do this, make this person do that. That's not prayer. That's witchcraft. 
You're attempting to do witchcraft. You're trying to control God so that he can control others for you. Who are you? You can't do that. Is this making sense? Yeah. All right, now get this, guys. This is good stuff, right? Is this good? A good nugget? Amen. Okay. So she says to Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And she uses the same word. Tell Mary to sin on me. And Jesus looks at her and says, oh, Martha, Martha. What is the end result of the story? Now, you're going to preach this to somebody. I totally give you permission. You preach it. What happens when we're so busy we disconnect from our prayer lives? We look to people to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do. Do you see? That's the point. We look to people to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do. That's why people come to the church and they want the church to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do in your life. Listen, man, I was sinning. I'm having problems with my family and all the rest. You need to fix my family. No, only God the Holy Spirit can fix your family, and that's going to happen when you pray. So you come to church. You haven't prayed all week. You haven't worshiped all week. You haven't read the word all week, and you come and say, church, you fix my problems for me, and you better do it in a short enough time that I can get out of here and watch what's on TV this afternoon. Are you hearing me? So you're looking to the church and you're looking to people to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do. That's why that word is used there. I mean, God is so incredible. The word is awesome. So what God's trying to show you is if you're so busy that you can't wait on God and wait in his presence, you're going to look to people and institutions to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do in your life. But the Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to get into the most intimate parts of your life. He wants to rage against the works of the devil and sin. And he's not going to stop until the job is done. He's here to help you. And how does he do that? When you release him in prayer. The more you pray in tongues, the more he helps. The less you pray in tongues, the less he does. That's why the early church accomplished so much. They got filled. They got others filled. They all prayed in the spirit at all times. And they told you to pray in the spirit at all times. And now we have people with theological degrees saying, praying in the spirit just means praying as you feel led in your emotions. No, if you're trying to get that through mind, will, and emotions, you're never going to understand God. Oh, wait a minute. We learned that. Got that? Do you see how all this ties together in the name of Jesus? Are you getting this? Yeah. Okay, now let me ask you, do you have any questions? Well, while uh, you're thinking about a question you want to ask, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Do you have any questions you want to ask? I want to cover a few other things here, and then we're going to conclude our time together. Any questions about the things we've discussed or something that comes up that you've been wanting to ask about the Holy Spirit and about the things we're kind of discussing? Uh, come on, don't be afraid to ask any questions. If, yeah, go ahead, bro. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, what happens is some people, uh, you know, have been exposed to bad teaching. And so that because of that bad teaching, it's like a weed that's drowning out the word that's inside of them. It's kind of choking it out. And so some of them, I, I, I feel for people because sometimes they've had really bad teaching. And, you know, some people are just flat out scared. I mean, there are some people, I don't know if you're in this room, maybe you were raised in a denomination that taught you tongues is of the devil. I mean, there are some people who grew up being taught that, so they're scared half to death because they're like, I was taught that was the devil. I mean, from very young and on, they were taught it was the devil. And so, they, I mean, that's what they were taught out of the Bible. In fact, here in California, it's in NoCal here up in this area, you got a famous ministry. They just had a conference dissing Pentecostals. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're fun, kind of more fundamentalist. My definition of fundamentalist is no fun, too much damn, and not enough mental. But anyway, um, 
they're, they're, look, they're, they would be our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I'm not sure what their axe is to grind because it isn't biblical. Their arguments start with the Bible but end in emotions. I mean, it's really kind of funny if you listen to their arguments. I'm like, how does that bear any fruit on what the Bible actually says? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they, so they're, because they were raised a certain way and this is their ax to grind and that's their identity for some of these ministries. You know, there's a sincere deception. Some of them, now everybody listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. I have real fear in my heart for this one brother in the Lord. I don't think he's going to be in heaven. And the reason I say that is not because he's ungodly, but because in my estimation, he's blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He said years ago, because he's been on, he's had this ax to grind forever. And I'm like, what happened to him that he's so angry? He's so angry. And he has said, anybody who prays in tongues has a devil. And I want to tell you something. I don't care. It's okay if you say people who pray in tongues are crazy. Not a problem. You could say we're nuts, deceived, and we don't know the Bible. Now, I don't have a problem if you accuse us of that. You're wrong, but I mean, if you want to, I don't have a problem. But don't say it's of the devil. Because Jesus said anybody who accuses the work of the Holy Spirit as being the work of the devil has blasphemed the Holy Spirit and is never going to be forgiven. Listen to me. Wrap your mind around this for a second. Jesus said you could blaspheme me, the Son, and you could be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit is guilty of an eternal sin of which they'll never be forgiven. I love the way they try to get around and explain that whole issue and try to explain different things. But you have to understand, the context, which they are always about, is clearly they were equating the miracles Jesus was doing as being the works of the devil. Do you understand how dangerous that is? So listen, you want to criticize, fine. I don't have a problem. And God ultimately doesn't have a problem. He'll forgive you of that. But don't you say it's of the devil. Okay, so what happens is a lot of pe times people are like, it's kind of like the person who gets in the door. I got in the door, I'm saved. I don't want to go any further in. Because I think sometimes they're hedging their bets thinking, well, what if I miss something out there? Well, ultimately, will those people be able to stand if the Antichrist comes and says, you're not going to eat, you're not going to drink water, you're not going to do anything, your family's going to be killed. Will they stand in that day? Well, I have a hard time believing they will. I have a weird idea about the whole rapture and all the rest. I mean, I just have my own personal convictions about certain things because I think some of the stuff is so nebulous of what the Bible teaches. It's going to be revealed in the end, and my concentration is on being a witness because that's what Jesus said. But, I mean, for me, when he says one will be taken, the other will be left, I honestly believe overcoming Christians go in the rapture. Non-overcoming ones will be around for some tribulation. And God will purify them, and then they'll go. Because, I mean, when I read Revelation, I see groups of people showing up in heaven. There seems like there's a number of raptures that are going on, and I think a lot of us gets confused about this stuff. But it's just a thought I have. I mean, I, I can't... You, you could prove so many things end time-wise, and you're going through the classes on it, but I mean, you can prove a lot of things end time-wise. A lot of things from the scriptures. The reason why a lot of people have different ideas is because the scriptures seem to denote a lot of different things. You know, so the bottom line is, I think the problem is, if we're not overcoming Christians, we're in trouble. That's why God wants you filled. And all I could go is keep pointing to the book and say, Jesus says... Don't go anywhere without this. Make sure you get it. Amen? Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, did you have a question, bro? Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's not. It's not the same. No, it's not. No, it's not. You, it's not. It's not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is equating it to the devil, um, the workings of the Spirit of God. That would be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. What you're struggling with is sometimes, and, and this, you want to be careful, okay, and I'll tell you why. Some people's love of, when you love somebody, you know how in your own family, you grow to this place of love and intimacy with your family where you feel comfortable and there are, every couple has delightful things that they say to each other that's only between the couple. And the problem exists in that sometimes, sometimes we kind of lose, you know, it's funny. People say, man, I can't wait to see Jesus. Man, we'll slap on my high five and oh yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think we're going to do that when we get to heaven. There's, I have a love for Jesus with a respect for Jesus. And what you're talking about is having a love and respect of the Holy Spirit. Some people feel so familiar because they love the Spirit of God so much that it comes across as a little bit maybe disrespectful because you hold maybe a higher viewpoint. The thing is, it doesn't mean that they don't have a respect for the Spirit of God, but sometimes we get so comfortable in the presence of the majesty that we kind of lose that sense of awe and respect as well. I always like to point people to, and I think what you bring up is really good because, you know, if you think about songs today, okay, now this is aging me a little bit, but when, when you think about the worship songs written today, they're a lot more intimate than they used to be. I mean, we say things in songs we never used to say, you know? I mean, it's kind of interesting to me. We've lost a little bit of our reverential respect. And I think we need the spirit of the fear of the Lord again in us. I think that is a big prayer that you should start praying. And I think what you bring up is really an excellent point. I don't want to criticize these the people who do this because I think what they're expressing is a deep-founded love and a familiarity that is maybe crossing a line maybe. But instead of, I would actually encourage them to get after the things of God and begin to pray God as they're getting into praying and praying in the Spirit. Let the Spirit of the fear of the Lord hit them so they have that great, wonderful balance of both intimacy and respect. I love my parents, but there were certain ways I could not approach them. I mean, there's stuff you do with your brothers you don't do with your dad, you know, that you talk to. In the same way, Jesus, though he's our brother, is not that kind of a brother. Okay, he, that's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it is a terrifying thing to come into the presence of the living God. So I think what you bring up is something we need to start praying in the church. I, I think that's an awesome point you're making. In the sense that we need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to let the spirit of the fear of the Lord rise up. That we once again see God in his majesty and develop a little bit of that respect. You know, so really, you're bringing up a good point. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, it might be for six. I actually prayed in tongues for eight hours. I couldn't stop. But I mean, but but some people get filled, and then we have them stop just to get on and begin to practice it. It is both. I know this is going to be frustrating, but it's both. Just like salvation is. You're, the Bible teaches you, and this is where, if you study the Bible a little bit more and understand the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, you begin to see what God is saying in a different light, and in a more pronounced light. The Bible teaches you that you're saved and you're being saved. In other words, that you are now saved. The minute you're saved, you're saved, you're right with God. But salvation is being worked out in you and there's a process going on in your life. 
when you're filled, boom, baby, you're filled. But you're also continually being filled. So it's a now and progression. It's both. And sometimes people get into the one or the other, but really it's both. Amen? Man, great questions. I saw a hand back up there, and then we'll come here. Yeah, here, and then I'll come to you, brother. It's her back there first. Yeah. Yeah. Right, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, uh, let me just make one quantifying of that. A person could have been filled with the Holy Spirit, prayed in tongues, and stopped praying in tongues. But a person, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that in your life is going to be your praying in tongues. So yes. If you, have, you know, if you say, yeah, I feel like I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I just have never prayed in tongues. I would look at you and say, well, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what Peter said, and this, I, I referenced this, and you may have come in after this. In Acts 10, when Cornelius' house, the Spirit of God is poured out, they all start praying in tongues in the middle of Peter's message to them. They got saved and filled instantaneously. I mean, they didn't wait for an altar call. I mean, that's sometimes God's like, okay, you can keep talking, but I'm going to move. And so, so God dumps out his spirit, and they rejoiced because they heard them praying in tongues and said they're obviously saved because they couldn't be praying in tongues and be filled with the Spirit of God unless they were saved. So, so, uh, so that doesn't mean that, and don't ever forget this, you don't have to pray in tongues to be saved. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you pray in tongues. Not filled. You haven't been filled yet. Yeah. You could be saved and then you have the Spirit of God. You just haven't been filled to overflowing. Amen. Now this brother right here. Right. So praying in tongues is me partnering with God. So when I pray in tongues, it's me speaking. But now I've submitted myself and now I'm just praying the words as the Holy Spirit's given them to me. Do I understand what I'm praying in tongues when I'm speaking in tongues like that? No, I don't understand with my head. But the more I pray in tongues, the more I begin to understand in here, which then informs here. No, can't be taught. Because it's, think about it. It's not going from here to here. It's going from here to here. Right, you're responding to God. You're responding to God. You're saying, God, by faith, I'm going to begin to pray in other tongues as you fill me, because I know you fill me. So in the name of Jesus, and if you're not filled yet, believe me, it'll be self-explanatory before we end this morning, or this afternoon, technically. So what happens is you're just partnering with God. It's you doing the speaking, the Holy Spirit gives the language. Now, please understand this. If you're not filled and speaking in tongues yet, the light will come on in what I'm meaning by what I'm saying. After you take that step of faith and start praying in tongues, all of a sudden you'll go, I get it now. <laughs> it's like things in life. Until you take a step, you're like, I'm not sure I understand this, but I'll, I'll try it. And when you try something, then all of a sudden, oh, I get it now. Because you actually exercised faith. And when you exercise faith, then your understanding comes. Think of it like this. The kingdom of God and what God offers you is like a room that's completely in the dark that has motion detectors. It's not until you actually step in, not knowing where you're, it's going to lead you, and you then trigger the motion detectors that the light comes on. Your step of faith. So what happens is when, uh, when you get filled here in just a second, when, when we pray and we pray over you, when, when I say speak and you lift up your voice and start praying in tongues, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, why did I do this earlier? Oh yeah, I get this. It becomes, you understand a lot more after you get filled because the reality of your faith is rewarded by understanding. It'll make sense here in just a little bit. Do you pray in tongues yet? Oh, you're going to get it. You, you, yeah. 
You know what? A lot of times, especially guys. Yeah, you know what? You know, and a lot of times we have to overcome. For guys especially. You know, kids get filled instantly. You know why that is? Because kids respond. They don't analyze. But the older we get, the more our minds get in the way. And so I tell people, look. You know, I had one guy. He was praying in tongues. He looked at me and goes, I haven't gotten it. I said, what are you doing right now? I don't know. It's me doing it. I said, yeah. It may seem like you're making this up. That's why the Bible told you in Acts 2, verse 4, they spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. You're doing the speaking. It's actually you talking. And you're like, but it seems like I'm making it up. No, you're not. You're acting by faith. The reason you get caught up with this is the devil tries to beat us down and say, faith, if it's God, you would never feel it and it doesn't involve you. That's the devil. That's the devil. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, there isn't. There isn't. That's right, man. Yeah, remember, it's not feelings. It's about faith. So, man, yeah, trust me. (laughs) You're going to start doing it, and you're going to go, it feels so natural. It's supernatural. It is natural, and it is super. Amen. Amen. Somebody else had a hand up over here. This is really good. Somebody else had a hand up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, hearing. Hearing the voice of God. Let me give you a great, uh, uh, great teaching on hearing the voice of God and understanding when God is speaking to you and when maybe the devil's tormenting you or one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to do a real quick teaching about that. Uh, I'm not going to go in depth. It would take a little bit more than the time I have. Um, but just something about hearing the voice of God. And w- there's a gift called discerning of spirits, which if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't just get praying in tongues. Every gift, ministry, and effect of the Holy Spirit is downloaded into you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. And when you see what they are, you're going to like, oh, yeah, bring it on. Okay. It's for everybody. Now, watch this. Okay. One of them is discerning a spirit so you can discern whether something you're dealing with uh, or in your life or a person you're dealing with is from God, the devil, or you, your flesh. Okay. So how do you know you're hearing the voice of God? Uh, and I want to teach you how to hear the voice of God. Just a, a, a real quick lesson, a real simple thing. Um, and I was going to teach you what I was taught 32 years ago, 31 years ago. Um, you get on your knees. And you pray, God, speak. Your servant is listening. And you know you can't sleep and whatever. And your mind's going over and all the rest. Say, Lord, are you speaking to me? Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. You quiet yourself. If God is speaking to you and tells you to do something, as long as it's not go kill somebody, because he's not going to tell you that. But if he speaks to you and says something, if you go believing God has spoken to you and you go to do what it is he said to you and it works out, you know that was God. And because you obeyed, and moved because you thought it was God speaking to you, then the voice of God grows louder. Here's what happens. For, this is true for everybody in this room. If God says something to you and you feel this urge to do something, like witness to somebody, or go do something, or God says do this or do this, and you don't do it, his voice grows a lot quieter. Jesus said this, what is it, Mark 4? He was teaching, and he says, be careful how you listen, for to the one who has, more shall be given to him, and more shall be given to him besides. But the one who does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. What's interesting is that's dealing with spirit revelation. And the idea there is, if 
God speaks to me and I obey what he says, then he gives me more revelation and I have more understanding and more of an ability to hear the word and the voice of God. But if I don't respond to what God is saying, then my ability to hear what he's saying decreases. This might drive people crazy when I say this. Even if something that God, you think it's God and it isn't God. God delights when his children move on something because they believe it's God speaking and doesn't violate his word. God loves it and God will increase your revelation. Even if you miss God and it wasn't God, you'll be able to discern the voice of God more because God delights that you thought it was him, that you're honestly doing something because you believe it's going to honor God and it's him speaking in your life. God loves it when his children do that. That's why I encourage people, I say, look, does that sometimes encourage stuff that's nutty? Listen, you should see some of the things I've done in my life that are completely crazy. I thought they were God, and it wasn't, <laughs> right? But I think God looked down and started laughing with the archangels, <laughs> and the angels up there going, can you believe he did that? But he did it because he loves me. You know what? I would rather take a step of faith and believe God, I think that's you, because God is greater than all those things, like a father who loves his kids, delight when their kids try something. Am I making sense to anybody in this room? Is this good stuff? Let me go back to this room. Let me go back here first, and then we'll get on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, you know, that's a great question. Can I tell you, you're asking a funny guy when you ask that question. God motivated you to ask me that for a reason. People have asked me often, what is the greatest miracle I've ever seen? And I tell them, because one, one thing, I've seen a lot of things uh, in, in our ministry, but there's one thing that stands out to me that happened in Uganda many years ago. And that was at a, at a meeting where a guy got filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, amongst hundreds of people that had just gotten born again, and we prayed for them to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was this older African man standing in the middle of the crowd, almost like a light was on him. I mean, there was just something very precious about what was happening, because he was doing this. He was like, I mean, just shaking. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at him. This is when Pensacola, if you know what I'm talking about, and the Pensacola revival was going on, and people were shaking, other things were going on. I'm sitting there in my mind thinking, I bet you that guy doesn't even know where Florida is. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, I mean, we're in the middle of the bush. And so, I mean, he's just shaking. I'm like, I was just delighted seeing this guy who was probably in his 50s, my age, you know, getting filled. And, uh, uh, and I'm delighted. Well, when the guy came up, because we have testimonies then. People come up to give testimonies. When he came up to give his testimony, the entire crowd went dead silent. They were all staring at him. And I mean, in a special way, I'm like, what's going on? I could tell something was happening. And my interpreter, who's from that village, I mean, he was like this, staring at this guy. Well, the guy asked for the microphone. And the pastor who gave it to him was like brain dead. I'm just hands over the microphone. And he starts testifying to everybody in their language. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to get my interpreter to tell me what he was saying. And he, wasn't, he was just quieting me because he was listening. I'm like, what's going on? Because Africans don't do that. And so, so, I mean, so he's giving this testimony. In the middle of it, screams on the edge of the crusade site huge screams. The whole crowd gets a little bit, you know, unnerved. So they push this older uh, African woman forward, who's acting like a chicken with her head cut off, uh, push her forward. And um, 
I mean, it was really cool. I mean, it was just awesome. And, and uh, she's, uh, she's acting nuts. I mean, she's looking at everybody, touching them, and just rejoicing. And I'm like, what is going on with this? And they're getting all excited. And one of the guys runs up to my interpreter and starts talking to him excitedly, kind of explaining to him what the lady is. And the, my interpreter then turns to me and looks at me and goes, get back up on stage, give another altar call, more will be saved, this is awesome. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not doing anything until you tell me what's going on. First off, who's this guy, what did he say, and why is she acting like a wild woman? I said that to him, and my, my wife's standing next to me. And so uh, uh, he looks at me and goes, oh, he goes, he goes, this man, we all know him. We've all grown up with him. And this man said, this man said, as you all know, I was a mute. I mean, he said that. I was a mute? I said, you mean he couldn't talk? And he said, yes. I said, but he's talking. He goes, yes. <laughs> he, said, he said he got born again at the crusade two nights ago. But you told everybody to come back on the third night. And they received the Holy Spirit. And this man told us all in his testimony, he goes, this, this, and he called me a muzungu. Uh, uh, as you can tell by my skin color, I'm not quite white. I'm not black. I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I'm a good Mediterranean with olive skin. Okay? So they don't know what to call you in, in Africa when you're that. So they just say muzungu, which basically means European or white guy. <laughs> right? So he says, basically meaning foreigner. So he called me a foreigner. He said, Muzungu. He was in the Lugandan language. So he said, this Muzungu came and told us about Jesus. He goes, and so I received Jesus, and I was so happy because I know my sins are forgiven. But then he said that we can receive the Holy Spirit. But then I became very sad because he said that if, if, if you, know, you receive the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. And I thought, how can I ever receive the Holy Spirit? Because I cannot speak. I'm mute. Listen to this. May all of you never forget this. And then he said this. This is what my interpreter was telling me his testimony was. But you know, he said, I said to myself, if this God was able to raise his son Jesus from the dead, he could give the Holy Spirit to a man who's mute. And you know, I came anyway because I figured oh, this God can do this. And you know, my God, he turned it into my God. My God did it. So he gave the Holy Spirit. And now, not only can I speak in tongues, but now I can talk to you. My answer to you is God opens the mouths of those that are mute. By the way, as a little aside, you want to hear something rad, totally rad? One of my greatest things in life has been, I was at a church in uh, 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 Kansas City, Missouri, and Tiffany Fellowship, great church, I, and uh, I was there at this church, and uh, they had two rows of people that were getting signed. You know, it, when I preach overseas, and go through interpreters. I actually slow down, okay? <laughs> you know, so they can kind of get it. But um, when I preach, the people you need to pray for is people that are signing for the deaf at my meetings because, I mean, it doesn't look like signing. It begins to look like martial arts. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, they have to ice their hands after they're done with me. So anyway, so, and steam comes up. Can you see steam? That would be pretty funny. But anyway, so, 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 uh, I, I gave an altar call for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All two rows of the deaf group came up to get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to ever see how valid praying in tongues is, watch deaf people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they do. You can't say, oh, they're just repeating what somebody is saying because they can't hear anything. They erupted praying in tongues. It was the most, and you know what? I feel like crying. I asked, here they are yelling in tongues. And I'm like, hey, I asked the, uh, the person who was signing, ask them, 
if, if they would like to be healed, I'll pray for them all. I was thinking, this is going to be great. Two rows of deaf people getting healed. It's awesome. And so I thought, hey, you know, ask them if you, I could pray for them to be healed of their deafness. And so she presented that to them, and they said something back, and she starts crying. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, I'm sorry, I just get emotional. I, I offered them what you offered. And they said, what's wrong with us that we need to be healed? I mean, how do you respond to that? I know God heals the deaf because I've seen so much of it. But I'm just saying, at a time like that, I think God took me to school. They're like, there's nothing wrong with us. We got what we wanted. Ha <laughs> ha! I mean, come on, somebody shout amen. amen. I'm not going to ask somebody for something they don't think is wrong. I mean, come on, amen? Who am I not? I mean, I feel like I would have sinned against God to pray any other way. All right, the point is, how can it? Look, brother, God wants your prayers to get beyond yourself. There is a time to be quiet. And I understand what you're saying, waiting in the presence of God. But the Bible teaches something about vocal prayer. I want to learn from you how to be quiet in the presence of God, and you need to learn from me how to be vocal in his presence. Let God, pray in tongues, allow God, because God wants to say things through you. There are times to be quiet, and there are times not to be. We're at a time when we shouldn't be. I don't think if somebody was close to death who you love very dearly and you were in a crisis, you'd be quiet. I want you to consider the lost people that are dying in this community who are going to hell, who will go to hell tonight apart from Christ. And I want that emotion to well up inside of you and see that I'll keep you quiet. Look, I understand people that are quiet. I do. I don't, I understand I don't understand. <laughs> you know, it's not my internal revelation, but I do understand. That's why I shared what I shared earlier about the two types of people and all the rest. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will help you get vocal in your prayers, and at the same time, you, you have a great strength in waiting on God so he could speak to you. Uh, may you grow in that strength and teach that to others, and at the same time, may you grow also in being vocal in your prayers. So, so you know, it's called praying in tongues because it's speaking out loud. Like I like to tell people, you actually have to move your lips when you're pray, speaking in tongues. The only time a person doesn't move their lips is if they're a ventriloquist, <laughs> you know? And how bad is it if the dummy gets it and we don't? You know what I mean? That's really kind of bad. So, so amen. <laughs> you know, the dummy's doing it, you're not. So I just want to encourage you to be vocal in your prayers as well as silent and keep growing in that strength that you have and then growing in the weakness too, all right? Amen. Yeah. I want to just um, talk about what you're talking about. Yeah. Sometimes when you talk about praying in the quiet room, it's more praying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you pray something, God gives you a vision for it, and, and you see it, but also God will speak to you in words. Oh, yeah. So make sure that when you come out of prayer, and you're lined up with God, that your actions will lead to God's word, and also be God's word. Oh, yeah. You know what? You know what's really good about what you're saying? It's so powerful. What you want to do is, and I say this to people often in discipleship, and this is to everybody here, read the word. Be a student of the word of God. Why? Because you're not just reading what God says. The more you read it over and over, the more you're beginning to think like God thinks. You know, couples that have been married a long time, for those of you like me have been married for 30 years, you know, eventually you start thinking alike. Anybody know what I'm talking about in this place? You start thinking alike. So you start thinking alike. The more you spend time in the Word, the more your mind begins to think like Christ thinks because you're reading how God, you're not just reading what God said, you're reading how He thinks, and that really helps in your prayers. Go ahead, bro. Yeah. And as you begin to ask God to help you and change you and save your family, you'll notice that 
Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Oh, amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, good word, brother. Amen. Good word. Somebody else. Question. Yeah, bro. Well, you have that. Hey, this is a good segue. So let's get into the word here and I'll answer your question. Okay, good. That's a great, that is awesome. Okay. And then I'm going to, I will talk to you at the end here as we go through this about how you kind of be used in that gift of interpretation, all the rest. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you got the gift. And I'll tell you why I say this. First Corinthians 12. Awesome question leading to what we're going to do and we'll conclude our time together. Hey, has this been helpful? Have you learned something? Yeah. All right. First Corinthians. Yeah, come on. That's good. Now you're learning. Clap and thank the Lord. Um, First Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, starting with verse one, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware for you know that you were pagans. You were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, for those people who think, well, you must be possessed of a devil. Look at my lips. Jesus is Lord. Amen. I wouldn't be preaching and doing the things, you know, some people have said it's of the devil. No, it's not. We're, if, if Jesus said it this way, if this is what I'm doing is of the devil, then the devil's kingdom is divided and it's over. It's not of the devil. Amen? You know, it's so weird. You know, people say, it's of the devil. It's, of the, you know, it's all demonic. You're all deceived. You know, there are more Christians on the planet who are born again that pray in tongues than are Christians that are born again who do not. The largest part of the body of Christ, and there's 1.5 or maybe almost 2 billion Christians on the planet now, uh, I think it's like 65% of them and more are baptized in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues of people that are Christians in this world. You just need to know that. So that basically means, well, that doesn't mean anything because it's only the few that are being saved. I mean, that's what some people believe. I'm sorry to say that they say that, but anyway. So now look at verse four. Now read carefully this uh, along with me here. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same. There are a variety of ministries, but the same. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works how many of them? In how many people? Now, notice that. Now, let me pause. The reason I'm sharing this, because I don't have time to get in depth as I like to, because we're going to bring our time to a close. The reason I'm saying this is, and I'm taking time with this, is for you to understand something, okay? Really wish I could get into some more stuff. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 teaches you something cool. You could actually pray in tongues in front of people without it being interpreted. Why? Because when you're talking, praying in tongues, prayer is talking to who? Preaching is talking to who? People. So when I'm talking to God, I don't need that interpreted. But when I'm talking to people, just always remember direction of speech. I was going to cover that more in depth, but just remember this. Direction of speech. When I'm in uh, Africa, if I'm in Sudan, you know, soon I'm going to be back in Malawi here in just a little uh, time. When I'm in Malawi, you know, dealing with the uh, widows uh, and speaking to the widows. When I'm in Malawi talking to the widows, uh, when I'm talking to them, can I preach them? In if I stand up there and speak in English, are they going to understand me? No. What do I need? Right, because I'm preaching to them. But when I'm praying, do I need them to understand what I'm praying? No. So when we're in church and people come and visit in church, when we're talking to God in worship, which is singing to, and I'm praying, which is talking to, do I need to speak in a language they understand? No, of course not. 
But when I'm speaking to them so that they'll glean understanding, I have to talk in a way they understand me. So if I'm going to talk in tongues to everybody in the church, I better have somebody who? That's right. That's, that's the whole thing. Got it? Got it? All right. You know, that's really important. But the reason I'm making sure that you understand this is vital. Did you notice it says there are a variety of gifts? These are supernatural gifts. There are a variety of ministries. You know, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. There are a variety of effects. I call that the Steven Spielberg verse. The effects of the Spirit of God. You know, slain in the Spirit, crying in the Spirit, laughing in the Spirit, all these other things. How people respond to the moving of the Spirit and the effects he has. Right? But God works how many of them? In how many people? So then somebody says, I don't believe all these gifts are for everybody. How can you say that? Why is this important? Look, I, I can't do as much as I'd like to with this. So just bear with me. At the end of this same chapter, Paul gets into a discussion about the various parts of the body. He says, are, is all the body a foot? The answer is? Is all the body a hand? The answer is? Is all of it an eye? Is all of it a head? No. But they're all part of the same? Now, listen. How could you then say, you can't be all of these things, because some people have this gift and some people have that gift. Not everybody has the same gift. How can you say that that's what that's talking about if at the beginning of this chapter it says everybody gets all of these things? It's a misinterpretation of the text. In fact, when you say to somebody, not everybody's the same uh, part of the body, you're all different parts, you're actually undermining what Paul's actually teaching in that whole teaching on the body. Now, I'm prepping you for this, and I'm going to read you what that is in a little bit. But I'm just prepping you. You're actually, you are actually part of the problem by saying that to people. Here God starts the chapter in which that teaching is about the body. God starts this chapter and the beginning of the 12, 13, and 14. God starts it by saying all of these gifts, all of these ministries, all of these effects are for everybody. Come on, somebody get excited. They're for everybody. Yes? Yes? Verse 7. But to who? is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 7, what does it say in your Bible? Everybody. It says, to each one. That means everybody. Now, to everyone is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom by the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom, huh. you know what's going to happen? One of these days, I want to come back uh, and do another session like this and just specifically talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Would that be beneficial for you? Okay, so I'm not, I can't get into all these various things, so I was going to give you a little bit of it, but we'll come back and we'll do this sometime on a Saturday morning. We'll just take two hours, and all I'm going to do is talk to you about what the gifts are. Amen? And how to flow in them, and you'll get a lot out of it, but I don't have time to get into it. So, for the one is given uh, uh, the word of wisdom, the one the word of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another the effect of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So I had some guy look at me and say, see, it says to one is given this, to one is, I said, so in other words, only uh, seven, eight, nine, what? So only eight or seven or eight people get this? He goes, yeah! I mean, because, you know, he just wanted to be right. I said, no, man. I said, you're not reading it. I said, he just said to you in verse four, everybody gets it. And verse seven repeats it and says everybody gets it. And then look at verse 11. But, to, but one and the same spirit works how many of these things? All these things distributing to who? Each one 
individually as he wills. So then the guy jumped out and said, see, it's as he wills. I said, ah, that's exactly right. In other words, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, every one of these gifts, every one of these ministries, every one of these effects is downloaded into you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Got it? How are you used in them? And this answers your question. How are you used in them? When it's necessary for the moment, you're used in it. That's why you need to have a prayer life and be in the Word like you were talking about. Oh, come on, bro. That was good. Good word, right? Right? The, the, the reason why God wants you praying it in the Word, why? So that when the time comes for you to be used in that gift, you're going to be used in it. Oh, come on. Somebody shout amen. What if the pastors of the various churches, what if they're leaving church and there's a horrible accident and the way people drive around here, I could totally believe it, and somebody's dying and the pastor jumps out looks at the guy on the ground and says, hey, are you a Christian? No, I'm not. Ah, oh, bummer, man. See, I'm a pastor. I don't have the gift of evangelist. And so, man, if you were, if you were a Christian, I was going to give you a nice prayer and all the rest of them, and he'd send you on to be with the Lord. But now you're going to die and go to hell. So, too bad I'm not an evangelist. I wish there was somebody who had that gift around here. Would that be right? Listen, for the entire morning this morning and into this afternoon, am I being used as an evangelist right now? No. There's a teaching anointing flowing on me right now. What am I supposed to say to the Lord? I'm an evangelist. I'm just going to preach a simple gospel message to get people saved. I would miss out on the joy of what I'm doing right now. God is using me right now. The gift of teacher is on me because the Holy Spirit wants to use me this morning as a teacher. I came here to be used like that. So God says that anointing is going to rest in you. So I'm doing this right now. That is not my normal ministry and what I do. But how am I supposed to say to the Lord? No, I'm not going to be used to that. I'm not going to do that. But see, I'm filled. That gift's inside of me. An apostolic gift resides inside of me. Not because I'm an apostle. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ, just like you are. I'm serving God. But you know what? We've planted a lot of churches. Why? Because there are times God says, no, I'm going to need to use you apostolically. There are times I have to call somebody up and rebuke them and kind of get in them and talk to them. Because God says, I need to use you prophetically. There are times I need to be used to win people to Christ evangelistically. Is this making sense to anybody? Amen. The need of the moment. So, brother, you got the gift. It's in you. And when it needs to be used, this is how you, this is, okay, I just, here's a good practical. Can I give you a practical teaching? Right? When you need to be used, whenever God's, you know, moving in the house and just say, Lord, you're moving, I can sense your presence and people get to get quiet. This is what you pray. God, if you want to use me in the gift of prophecy or a message in tongues or interpretation of tongues, I'm available, use me. You know what you're saying? It's kind of like, you know those mailboxes that have the flags on them, you know, right? It's like you're putting the flag up saying, here I am, use me. Come on in right here, use me now. Gift, come on, right? You're just stirring up what's inside of you already. So you're just available. That's what it means by the Spirit of God distributes them as he wills. And when you're putting up the flag, the Spirit of God who's moving in the room says, oh, he's ready. I'll use him. And all of a sudden, he stirs you up. So what happens is you're like, oh, I know God wants to use me. Somebody stands up and gives a message in tongues. And all of a sudden, you feel like a pressure on your heart. Your heart's beating fast. And in your head, in English, is coming some ideas. Oh, I think the Lord wants people to know this. That's when you need to stand up and project your voice and say, hey, everybody, I think this is what God is saying. You know, sometimes, and I'm an old timer because I was, you know, discipled so many years ago and I'm old. But the, uh, 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 what you'll hear me say in the beginning of the message of interpretation. I'll say, thus saith the Lord. Now, that's not the part that's anointed. That's just me saying, 
Guys, this is not coming from, I believe me, I think this is coming from God, and I think this is what the interpretation is of that. I've heard people stand up in a room and say, I think this is what Jesus is speaking to us through that message. And then they'll say it. Some people say, this is what Jesus is saying. Or they'll say, uh, uh, the Lord is saying. Whatever, the beginning comment is just signifying, I don't think this is for me, I think this is the interpretation. And then you just give what do you feel the Lord has laid on you for us to know, and then we just judge it afterwards. Okay, is that the Lord? Okay, and don't be afraid to be used. See, the church is a place you should feel free to step out. Somebody shout amen. amen. You know what I mean? So look, I've heard some doozies, okay? I've heard doozies. Trust me, okay? I had an evangelist friend of mine. He was in Missouri doing some meetings, and he told me, we were sitting down, and he didn't warn me ahead of time. I almost spit out my whole Coke on him. He, um, he said to me, he goes, Dean, he goes, I was in this meeting, and he goes, bro, he goes, there's some weird things going on. I said, what? He goes, well, this lady stood up, gave a long message in tongues, and uh, this guy got up, and this was the interpretation. Thus saith the Lord, thou thinkest that thou is a humdinger, but thou is just a dinger. <laughs> now, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that means something to them folks down there. I don't know. You know, I mean, I almost spit on my coke on him. I'm like, no, I don't know. Maybe that is significant to them. I have no idea what that means. I mean, give me answer. I'm just a dinger. Oh, Lord, how do you answer an altar call? Oh, God, put the hum in my dinger. I mean, what, I mean, what do you do? I don't know. I was, I know, I was at a meeting, and this old guy, bless him, he'd been at Pentecost 40 years. He'd been praying in tongues for 40 years. Never been used in a gift of the Holy Spirit. And he was convinced that morning was his morning. God bless him. I think he was in his later 70s. And I mean, somebody, I don't remember, it was a woman or a guy, gave a message in tongues. It wasn't particularly long, just a message in tongues. And we we're all waiting on God. And he stood up and he said, Thus saith the Lord, yay, 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 on oh, nuts. This ain't God. I'm sorry, everybody. And sat down. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something. I think God loved that. <laughs> I think Jesus just went, he's so cute. <laughs> I mean, that was precious in the sight of God, in my opinion. Amen. And somebody else had the interpretation. You know, everybody started laughing. God was moving. I mean, it was awesome. And I don't mean laughing at him. They were just like, oh, granddad. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was beautiful. <laughs> Listen, you should step out in faith. And if you're wrong, we'll correct you. Don't get intense. All right? You know, and if somebody corrects you, don't go, oh, I miss God. I'm so stupid, 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 stupid. I'm never doing this again. Be teachable. Amen. Amen. You know, just say, ah, oh, you know what? You know what we will tell you? Hey, that was, that was great. I don't think that was the Lord, but you keep trying. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's the house of God. That's how we, I bet you you've heard some fun. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Can I give you one more funny one? Uh, uh, our pastor, when I was first saved from the Holy Spirit, he had gone to a huge conference in Tulsa. And they had 10,000 people there, and the majority of them were all leaders. You know, uh, ministries, pastors, and all the rest. And, um, and we'll take a few other questions, and I'll, I'll just, uh, uh, we'll conclude our time uh, together. I'm just going to finish the thing on the body here, and then we'll conclude our time. Uh, and we'll pray. But uh, 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 so he got back from the meeting and he was laughing. He was telling the whole church this. He said, we had this great and powerful word. He goes, but he was encouraging us to always take steps of faith and no matter if we miss it or not. He says, there was this long message in tongues and a woman got up to give the interpretation. And this was the interpretation. Thus saith the Lord, I have seen that you are building your kingdoms and not mine. Now that's an intense word to ministries. You're building your kingdoms and not mine. But I, the Lord God, have seen this, and I will cause a shaking and a humbling to happen. So humble yourselves under my mighty hand, saith the Lord. 
So I, the Lord God, shall come. And if you do not humble yourself and you do not repent, I shall come and everything that can be shaken will be shaken, says the Lord, so that only that which is of me remains. But if you repent, then I, the Lord God, tell you this day that the latter glory of the house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord your God. But if you do not repent, and if you do not come to me, says the Lord, I shall come to your house and I shall write Michelob across your door. Now, Michelob is a kind of beer, for those of you who remember. What she wanted to say was Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. But whatever reason, she missed it, and she said, I shall write Michelob across your door. I mean, he says that to us, and we all lost it. We all started laughing. And he said that in the room, when, when she said that, because he was so powerful until that one point, all of a sudden, somebody started laughing, and somebody else started laughing, and then everybody lost it. And the guy who was leading it said, I believe what the sister was saying in the Lord was Ichabod. And so we want to come to the altar. But God forbid God should write Michelob across our churches. It was like three months after that, I was preaching in Wisconsin. And we go by, we literally go by this little bar on our way to the church. And it had this light that was going on Michelob. And I said, Carol, to think that used to be a church. And she like slapped me. So funny. I mean, God loves it when his people go for it. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Come on, can we clap our hands and thank the Lord? Yeah. Let me conclude our time together because we've been together long enough and I've, you know, we've taught long enough. Let me conclude our time. It says this in the, in the, about the body. Look at verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, woo, whether slaves or free. And we're all made to drink of one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Now pause. Do you understand now where he's going with the whole discussion? Look, it is wrong to look and say, you're an eye, you're always going to be an eye. Is that what the Bible's really saying? Are you telling me that in the body of Christ, you never grow, you just are what you are, and you can never become anything else? Is that what you're ready? Are you ready to say that? Yet that's what that teaching implies. The teaching that says, you're a foot, you're an eye, you have these gifts, you have those gifts, that's the way it is, is saying that the minute you are what you are, you never become anything else. That you're not growing. So why bother growing? Why bother studying? Why bother growing in God? Because you just are what you are, right? That's not what he's saying. But the point of what he's making is coming out in verse 21 as he's building his argument. Remember, you can't say you only have this, you only have this, because he just told you everybody gets all of these things. Every one of you can be used apostolically, prophetically, pastorally, teaching, evangelistically. Every one of you can have uh, the effects of the Spirit of God, where you laugh, you cry, you're silent. God does something unique in you. Every one of you can have gifts of healings, miracles, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, you know, discerning of spirits and all the rest. Oh, you can have all these things operating in your life. Every one of these things. So what is he saying here in verse 21? He's, he's giving you the argument. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, 
or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer of the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. Our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There is the teaching. Verse 25 is the crescendo. God, do, let me read it again if you didn't get the point. He's making his point so that there may be no division, but the members may have care for each other. In other words, is everybody even in this room? Think about the, all, the churches and all the people that are represented between all the churches represented here. Are all the people where they should be in their walk with God? Yes or no? But should we treat them any differently just because they're not? That's the point he's making. He says, I don't want division. If the brother next to you is not where he should be in the walk of God, you love him as if he's where he should be. And you get him to where he should be. But you don't treat him like he's second class because he's not where you're at. That's all he's saying. Just because the body is composed, because God knew the body is not going to, everybody's not going to be, or it's not like Jesus, the rapture happens when we all attain perfection. He's coming back for a body that's in all a bunch of different parts. It, they're all in different places in their walk with God. And he says, just because they are doesn't make them a less a part of the body. That's why, I, you know what? If you want to understand what God's talking about, here's a little phrase. The gifts of the Spirit must always operate in the spirit of the gifts, which is love. In a loving atmosphere, the church is the place where you should feel comfortably loved and uncomfortable at the same time. You should be loved you should feel, hey, they love me, but man, they're not satisfied with where I'm at. They're always trying to push me. You should feel pushed and loved at the same time. Like a parent wants their kids to always try new foods and go to new places and exert themselves a little bit more. You should feel loved and uncomfortable at the same time. Always. You should feel like, man, they're pushing in a loving way. <laughs> Somebody should always be coming up to you and going, hey, man, are you growing this area? You don't have this yet? You should have this, you know. Hey, I love you, man. Hey, come on, you're part of us. But you need to have this. If you like, well, they're always judging me because they don't think I have this. That is a bad response to their loving pushing. They're, it's not their problem, it's your problem. Now, it's wrong if they say, well, you don't have what I've got, so you're not as good as me. Now, that's wrong. That's real wrong, all right? That's a bad spirit. But if somebody's keeping on pushing you and saying, you need to get more, you need to push in more and all the rest, that's somebody loving on you. Like, man, I hate this place. They love me, but they never make me feel comfortable. I just feel like I gotta be doing more for Jesus. Woohoo! We got that going. Uh-huh. Amen? Is this making am I making my point? Amen? Amen? That's what this is talking about. Guys, we should love each other and push each other at the same time. How good is that? So I get to be loving and pushing right now in Jesus' name. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to learn how to pray for people anyway, so you're going to be our little guinea pig. So in the name of Jesus, if you're not filled with the Spirit and you don't pray in tongues yet, uh, your God wants to fill you. Why? I mean, I just covered it all. I mean, seriously, don't even ask. I mean, so you're roadkill for this. So if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, and you're here this morning and you've been learning through this session, and you want to receive this, if you don't have it and you want to receive it, in the name of Jesus, raise up your hand right now. Come on, get it up. Come on. You don't pray in tongues yet. You want to get it? Come on, stand up.